Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain. I would like to, first of all, thank my patrons over at patreon.com slash bsmpod for continuing to make this possible. So shout out to all of you. I appreciate it. Today on the podcast, we have Sean, a player based out in the same area as me, 717 Melee. So shout out to 717 Melee. Also a student of Millersville University, the editor-in-chief of The Snapper, which is the Millersville University, uh, the, the the magazine, the, the the news source, the all things newsy news. Is that am I getting that right? Yeah, I mean we primarily primarily focus on like regular like news publication. Like we actually print a physical newspaper, so it's more like based on like standard news stuff, not so much like entertainment and things like that. But we kind of dive into different topics, so you know. As things come across your desk, Mister Editor in Chief, you'll take the things that you think kind of move the needle or that get a lot of people kind of looking in buying magazine or prints excuse me or checking out the website because the snapper has a website as well you've sent me articles that you've written and they're all very fun very good so i appreciate you making the time and especially for my part i love having people on from my local scene because we've been able to play together uh friendlies we haven't met in bracket yet but sean thank you so much for joining me that's just a great way to get started what has it been like in this year when you're able to go to locals a little bit here and there? I know you're really busy as a student, but how's it been just going to locals again? So it's kind of interesting because like the first like melee locals I started going to was through my university. And that was like at the very beginning of 2020. And that was like literally right as um, the pandemics like started and like yeah. when we all got sent home. Um, so to be able to come back, uh, it was like the very end of this summer and going into the fall to come back and like play people in, in person after like basically spending pretty much the whole pandemic grinding on Slippy and or like grinding on CRT, just trying to learn tech skill. It's great to like finally be able to sit next to a person and just like laugh at like the dumb things that happen in Melee and like just kind of ask for like, hey, what's a better option in this situation and what can I improve on in this matchup? And I'm excited to actually be have the opportunity to come back now that winter break started and also like hopefully next semester won't be nearly as busy for me. So yeah, no, it's just been a huge relief to actually be able to play melee in person and be like, oh, the things I've been working on, I can actually hit and when it's not on my <laughs> i5 laptop that can barely run like any dolphin. So yeah. You're here. You made it. You're able to actually express yourself within the game. You do stuff. Your hands do the thing. The controller does the thing. And then Fox, the character, that's your main as of now, does the thing. So those are all really cool things. I mm -hmm. wanted to ask you about your origin story, though. I usually like to do this, so you'll have to forgive me. But how did you first get into Melee? How did you first get into Smash? So to kind of um, maybe go beyond the, well, I played it as a kid and then got into it competitively. The to kind of. <laughs> To give like a solid starting point, I guess it would be back in middle school. I had a friend who came out from, uh, he was out of state. Uh, his name is Andrew and he goes by the tag CR Burgundy now. And he's still one of my best friends uh, ever, like to this day. And he got into fighting games with me at that age. And then like, we also started getting into like Smash and stuff. And one day he comes like to my desk. It was like the homeroom or whatever it was called. And he's like showing me his videos like, bro, like these pro players in Melee are like ridiculous. And we're watching, it was like Apex 2015. I think it was 2015, uh, the big like PPMD Armada Grand Finals. Yep, that'd be the one. Yeah. So like we're just watching, I'm like, bro, this is like ridiculous. So we started slowly learning stuff 
like I would learn how to wave dash and get consistent at that. And then he was a chic player, so he would get really good at like uh, reaction tech chasing. And it was kind of bouncing off each other like that. But um, the more we kind of played with each other, we we're like, oh, so we kind of know in our friend group like who the best player is. But like, wouldn't it be kind of cool to figure out who the best player at our school is? So then it kind of evolved. It was the summer of 2016, which was the summer right after my freshman year of high school. Uh, we were like for months leading up to that, we were like telling our friends like, hi, we're, we're going to be playing like Smash for Wii U because that was the most recent one. That was the one people played the most. Um, we're going to have something in my house to like just come over and like compete in. And people were like, oh, that's really cool. Um, and I think we actually had 12 people come up for the first one in my basement, which was actually like for like a little thing we decided to throw together. Like it was a lot of fun. And then like slowly throughout high school, we started getting more people around the school. And then it became not even just a matter of like, okay, so we kind of know who the best in our school is. What about like high schools next to us? Like who's the best over there? And we slowly found like other people for like, I was heavily involved in bands and I would find people at like our performances who were like, yeah, like I, I think Smash is pretty cool. And we're like, oh, we'll come to our event. And like, I think that was kind of the coolest thing about back then was we were able to kind of get into like seeing like oh well who's the best school district or like who's the best high school in smash um but kind of bring it back to melee real quick the thing that kind of sucked in my in my mind at least a little bit was despite being like melee being my main game and what i wanted to play the most uh where i lived there was basically nothing in terms of melee and like my friends who tried to learn it were like oh this isn't like as this isn't as smooth like to play as like Smash 4, which is understandable for people who aren't used to everything. Um, and so basically Melee for years like became kind of like, I just played it maybe in passing, but I started going to tournaments for like, well, Wii U, um, beyond the tournaments we were running, I started going to Millersville events, which is actually why I got interested in applying for Millersville. Um, it was one of their weeklies. And I ended up like placing fifth, which is like one of my proudest accomplishments as like a nerdy junior. And like I was like telling people like, guys, like I got like fifth at this big tournament. Um, and then I went on to go into Millersville and I was actually on the I think it was like the fall. It was like the first half of fall 2019, the ultimate PR. Um, but then to melee for melee at like it was like January of 2020. And like the semester was just about to start. And I was like, man, not really feeling ultimate, which ultimate's a great game. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I love about it, but there's also a lot of things I do not love about it. Um, and I think anyone who's kind of dabbled in all the Smash games can relate to that. So, but then I remember watching, it was Genesis 7, like that top eight live. Mm. And like, <laughs> and then seeing like hacks do all that ridiculous stuff, seeing like, like Zane just killing like killing Jigglypuff at like 40. And it's like seeing this gameplay, I'm like, my mind was blown out. I was like, okay, I want to get in the melee. I want to like stop playing Ultimate a little less. And like, so I tried learning like what I could do for melee. And then I just remember going to the hub, which I don't know if you've ever talked to like anyone from 717, but the hub is like this little church area. It's, ne it's near the Millersville campus and they have this massive CRT. And like, that was kind of became that became a hotbed for anyone in 717 who wanted to learn the game because you would just go there, you would lose a bunch of friendlies to people who are way better than you, and then hopefully you'd learn how to play the game. So 
I tried doing that. Uh, I basically every week I'd go on like at least three or four times per the week and just like sit and play friendlies for hours. And then, as I mentioned, the shutdown happened. So I spent a lot of time on Slippy, a lot of time on the CRT. And fortunately, I was able to come back for it was one of like the they had a tournament at the hub directly. I think it was like August. I forget the exact day, but it was August of this year. And it's just, it was just great to play people again. And it was also kind of cool because like people were like, oh, I remember you as like that really awful Marth player that I, I saw like your freshman year. And now you like can actually like do stuff with Fox. I'm like, yeah, it's it made, it, that made me feel good. But uh, now I just kind of try to play Slippy as much as I can, try to practice tech skill as much as I can and just go to tournaments when I can too. Yeah. So you were talking about the hub. Sadly, I was not able to go to that. I think I was, mm. I want to say out of town or something at that time, but you've been able to go to a few of the raise the bar events. That's what we've been able to do more recently. Pretty small, modest local, but we have a stream. So haha, we're better than the house fest that you might want to poke fun at or, you know, the side hustle people that are trying to start a melee bracket when own the only people there are there to play ultimate or there to play another fighting game. And they go, ugh, melee. No, no, put the CRT back in the car, dude. Just, just don't do it. So we have a real thing going on. You've been able to go to a few of those. That's where we met. Of course, the 717 discord also, it's been really great that, I mean, going to that has been great for me, but for you, you have been able to see the fruits of your labor. So, you were talking about getting better since the start of the pandemic and Slippy, but I don't want it to be forgotten that Slippy did not start on March 17th or whenever it was, March 15th, when lockdown officially started. That didn't come until June. So just take me back to March of that, of, of 2020, of that year, where you can't go to locals anymore. You can't go out really to do a whole lot anymore. And we have online delay-based netcode, not online rollback netcode with Slippy, not just yet. So at that time, what were you thinking about the game? You'd only been grinding seriously for a few months at that time. Yeah, so um, I guess at that point, I was kind of going a little bit back into Ultimate, um, just because oh, even though the online's horrendous, it still had like somewhat of an approachable online. I know you mentioned delay-based through Dolphin. Um, I just like, I don't know, I just never bothered setting it up. So I played a decent amount of Ultimate. I had, <laughs> I had, um, I hosted some tournaments with some people I knew um, through another Discord, uh, through online. And so that kind of took up a majority of my time through March and kind of the end of, up until Sli when Slippy was uh, made available, which you said uh, was around June. But in terms of melee, I would do a lot of just kind of sitting and like playing on my CRT, just kind of grinding Fox tech skill, making sure I can actually like dash dance uh, consistently and like wave dash consistently and do like shine stuff consistently. And a lot of times, like if I was going to sit and grind, I usually kind of made it like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to sit and like do tech skill practice. I'm like, I'm just going to kind of sit here and mess around with the controller. I'll put like, a podcast or like some kind of music on and keep my mind kind of occupied both of my hands and and with like listening to something which i think that helps a lot if anyone is like kind of wondering how to get through like the oh well i want to learn melee but i don't want to grind or like i don't want to like sit and just like work on something for like hours upon hours and like there's kind of ways where you can kind of like sugarcoat the work if that makes sense by like <laughs> distract 
<laughs> yes, yes, you can you can't have it be like a rocky training sequence, but you you can do better than you wanting to stop the whole time that you're practicing cuz then you might as well not be practicing. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of a majority of my practice up until again Slippy started where uh even though it's not quite the same as I mentioned before as playing with a person, it was at least something where I can get some kind of matchup practice and also just kind of play with someone besides just like a level like nine CPU and actually learn how to somewhat play neutral. So yeah. And then what was your reaction to Slippy when it came out? This is finally your time, Sean, to shine with being told very succinctly and clearly, this is how you get the whole dolphin thing started. This is how you go online and play. And you actually get to play in an environment that's, well, it's a better online experience than Ultimate, not just because of the rollback, but because of the, it's the matchmaking system. You just press start after you choose your character, and all of a sudden you are matched up with another player. Maybe not necessarily a, a, a high-tier, a top-tier character. Maybe sometimes it's a Kirby rip, but it's still really, really easy and intuitive, and this is appealing to you, right? So like, just talk to me about your first initial reactions of what you remember to that. So I think it was a few days after the initial reaction where I decided to sit down and like do the work to try to install Slippy. <laughs> <laughs> just just because like I I was just like I could probably figure it out. And really when I did it, it was it was pretty easy. Again, like you said, there was plenty of tutorials online and plenty of resources to learn how to do it. Um and it was also kind of nice to be able to be introduced in the local scene um, right before the pandemic so I could ask people questions that way too. Um, but I remember just kind of like going to my first match and like, I was like, oh, this is like kind of crazy how it feels like I'm sitting at a CRT and like I'm able to kind of do the stuff I was doing on a CRT before. And I think just the excitement of like, I can literally get practice whenever. And it's kind of crazy to think about too because... You think about like games like um, Nickelodeon All Star Brawl, which came out uh, this year, and yes. I love that. I love that game, but at the same time, you just hear horror stories of like, oh, it's like two months after the game's release, and I like sit for like thirty minutes and can't get connected to someone. But like with Melee, like you said, you press a button, and like literally any time of day, you can get connected to someone and get like a thirty-minute session with some person and like kind of learn a matchup more. And I think that in that way, like melee is so accessible to Dart, even though like obviously it's very mechanically and you think of stuff like neutral and that's all that stuff's difficult. But like kind of that initial of like, oh my God, this is this is great. I have something to do while I'm probably gonna be stuck home for at least the rest of the summer at that point. Yeah. No, I, I, exactly what you mean. And then something that you were talking about a little bit earlier was just about how awesome it was to be able to sort of foster and grow a smashing community within your school and then across school districts. Where did you, where did you come up from again in terms of your high school area? I'm uh, from West York High School, which is about an hour down from Lancaster. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Sorry. I didn't want to assume that you were also like coming up in terms of high school in the Lancaster area and Lancaster mm -hmm. County area. So that's all fine and well. I was just curious, but mm -hmm. I didn't see your name until uh, later in this year in about this, probably like the early, early summer, maybe perhaps is when I think I first saw your name for the first time in the 717 discord. It didn't seem like you immediately hopped on the opportunity to run like slippy net play events, or you can correct me if I'm wrong. Did you try to do that after you said, wow, Slippy's legit. This is, 
this is awesome. We're going to be able to do stuff with this and also stay home and eat burritos. So this is great. Yeah, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because I actually did end up doing one. It was like raise the bandwidth, like the race, the online version of the race of our events. Yeah, shout and out. Just like, <laughs> I I just kind of like. There's a big difference between like going zero and two in person and going zero and two at your computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, there is. <laughs> because like when you go on to in person, you can be like, Oh, well, I'll still like sit and play friendlies. I'll like, I can obviously ask the people who I played like, Hey, why did I go on two? But like when you like lose that last game and you're out of the tournament, you're just kind of sitting there like, huh? Well, I guess I'm done now. And I just like, I don't know. I did one of the events and it was kind of before I could find out ways to make my computer work a little better with slippy or before i got kind of used to it if that makes sense yeah um, there's there is a bit of a curve to that optimizing yeah mm -hmm. um so yeah that was kind of like my only real online melee tournament otherwise i just kind of played slippy um in terms of like discussing with the group uh i think like kind of how i mentioned before like when i obviously came in it was like february 2021 i came in my first melee tournament at motorsville it's kind of like it's it's weird being like the person where you kind of have to like I don't want to say you have to prove yourself, but like when there's someone who's so low at the totem pole, it's kind of a matter of like oh well, obviously people have so many other people to play friendlies with online that it's kind of hard to reach out and be like hey does anyone want to play when they also have Slippy who, um, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they recently do skill based matchmaking like incorporated kind of incorporated to a small degree what they mm -hmm. were really trying to do with that they were trying to implement a skill that skill based match system where a new player would not immediately go up against none because <laughs> yeah. none is a shark out there on the, on the sticks online and mm -hmm. nobody really wants to get bonded the first time they play so the idea was within the beginner to novice range we want to have players that perform in that bracket kind of match up to closer to either beginner or closer to novice but like according to fizzy it goes away fairly quickly and it doesn't cover regular players per se it doesn't cover people who are actually really good at the game or top 100 level at the game yeah yeah but um it was kind of like how i mentioned before though like going back into my first land tournament and people like oh you, you've learned a lot and i think once you get like that kind of like nervousness out of you then it, it was a lot easier for me to be like talk to people in the group discord because like i just didn't want to seem like that know-it-all like person who like barely could play the game and i think that's like something that that's the reason i've been able to feel like i can <laughs> um but that's the reason i feel like i've been able to like be more a part of the discussion and like it's certainly nothing against any of the 717 guys because they've always been like nothing but nice to me and like nothing but helpful um but like i do think there's like kind of that aspect of feeling you have to like you almost have to feel like you have like a place to talk before you can talk if that makes sense yeah there's a certain amount of it's a meritocracy all of melee is a meritocracy it's about who you know and how well you've played in tournaments and whether or not you can place top 64 in a major at a major or mm -hmm. at a super major, however you want to define that. If you play well enough to be top 100, you basically, the door's open, if you will. And I've mm -hmm. noticed that. Also, what I will say is that I was afraid of that for such a long time. I didn't get involved with Melee like I wanted to. Initially, 
seeing it back in 2006, seeing PC Chris versus Ken and me saying, I want to do that. I promptly did not do that because I thought, well, I have to be that good to be able to start, <laughs> which is impossible. You can't be that good when you don't play anybody or you don't go to tournaments. You have to take your licks, as you say. So there's a certain amount of just knowing that people will not want you to talk like you're at this spot when you're still down here. There's a certain amount of that. There always will be uh, in Melee. But I think what the community has done a slightly better job of in the past, I would say in the past 18 months since COVID, especially in the falling out of 2020 stuff, the fact that we've tried really hard to lean into the, we are stuck in an online sort of spot right now. Let's try to really hard to make everybody feel like they matter here because when in-person events come back, it's not as easy to go out to those as it is to enter an event on your computer. Maybe you don't get the same feelings of being at an event, but we want that translation of, wow, online brackets are kind of cool. I'll enter one of those uh, once a month or once a week to making that person say, I want to go to my local. Maybe I won't get to play against a really good player in bracket like I consistently can at an online event. You know, on East Coast Fridays, you can offer, you can run into Hungrybox for crying out loud if you're if if he's entering. Not that he enters every single time, but he's entered a fair amount of those. Uh, and the go, the list goes on, right? So when you get to where we are now, I think as of now, I think that the message of more welcoming, more uh, just more of like happy to have everybody here is true. But what I also love is the spirit of you need to earn a certain amount of respect and a certain amount of clout. I loved being on the mic this past Saturday because even though I was getting roasted by everybody pretty much for talking and commentating and doing, you know, a pretty pair, I'd say pretty poor job of it. I thought I was doing fine, but you know, I was not doing fine simultaneously. It was fun because they're all giving me feedback that I need to hear. <laughs> yeah. Make it better. Yeah. And that's a really good point too. It seems like um, the criticism within the melee scene, because um, I've mentioned before how the 717 guys are always so nice and how they're always so willing to give me more pointers. It, the criticism comes from a good place. It yes. really does. Yes. And it comes, it comes from like a sense of like, I want to build the community stronger. I want people to learn more about the game because I want them to appreciate it on the level I appreciate it, especially if you're like kind of like in a leadership position or like a top player position within your local scene. I think that's a big part of it too. When it comes to seeing players like Professor Peen and well, uh, Impale usually will insist that just to call him George. But the, the point is that when you talk to players like that, when you talk to Jay Bobison, AKA Jesse, who runs Raise the Bar, and also Curtis, also Curtis, shout outs to Curtis. When you, when you talk to those people and you want to talk about the game and you want to talk about this, that, and the third stuff around the game, people, players, whatever, top, I mean, controllers are crying out loud. <laughs> we can talk about anything related to Melee. And uh, what I've learned is that, yeah, they, they, they love that. And they want to make everybody feel like that is something they have a right to do. I, I think that it just, it does come across to a point where it's like you put in enough time and your opinion will be taken a little bit more seriously as a result. You sort of have to put in the time. Someone like Professor Peen did not play Melee for the past six years only to what still kind of be like 
treated as a newer person. No, he, he, he's an amazing player. Or Jay Bobson, who has been TOing for such a long time. And he gets to be able to in a, be in a spot because he's earned it. So even though we all like to hate on the fact that that there's a lot of corporations or organizations or the whole capitalism system kind of rewarding people who are already in a good spot. That's sort of, that sort of applies to other parts of life. You'll, you'll get to a certain spot where the seniors at your high school will always get the lead parts in the musicals or maybe perhaps in band first chair. That's a thing, right? Or for debate team, you get to be the, for person to lead open the whole debate i mean you get it this 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 is not just a one sort of system way it does apply to other things and in melee i think that even though there's not a whole big leadership structure that we all sort of adhere to nintendo has only just in the past couple of in the, the past month announced any sort of intention of anything around melee right but up until now we've been grassroots and in grassroots the double-edged sword is you can make a name for yourself. You can do all kinds of cool things. You can contribute anytime, anywhere. That also means that you're opening yourself up to feedback. There's going to be good feedback. There's going to be bad feedback. Lancaster fellas, Lancaster players will give you a little bit of both where they want you to be better. They want you to be here. But uh, yeah, they're not just going to let you. <laughs> they can't let me in particular just say stuff without necessarily know exactly what i'm talking about so if anybody's listening you don't need to be upset i still love all of you and i'll be at the next local but yeah I, that would be my experience so far yeah yeah no i totally agree with that it's just like like you said it's all a matter of building the communities and to make you learn from stuff and kind of the only way you can learn is just by going and doing it so <laughs> by getting your hands dirty and like there's also another factor i am like in all the tournaments I played as, um, and even as like a TO, I'm very anti like, oh, I felt bad for him, so I let him win. I like, I hate that. And I know that like, when you talk to people about that, especially like people who aren't maybe as competitive or like who don't compete as much as you do, they're like, oh, that's, that's kind of strange. Like you treat a video game like that. But like, you kind of, I don't know. I feel like it's doing a disservice to someone and it's almost more disrespectful to let them win or go easy on them than it is to like go all out and treat them like you would basically any other competitor. And I think it means a lot more like when you take a game off someone after like five years of trying and after five years and them bodying you when they play like their tertiary and like at like some random like tournament and they're like, oh, well, I took a game, but it doesn't really matter. Oh, there's going to be that that question at all times, though, around Melee. Just think about the top layer competition. Who is the player that comes to mind when you think about someone who doesn't always play to their top potential, where everybody's always saying, was he actually playing for realsies this time? <laughs> um, In terms of, like, national or, like, yeah, yeah national. Whole, uh, I guess, like, throughout quarantine, Agebox was the big one. That's the one. That's the one I had in mind. Because <laughs> Hungrybox is playing online is different than Hungrybox playing in person. And we've seen the differences. Hungrybox in person has not really placed much worse than worse than ninth place. And is usually top four. I mean, top four at Roll Tide and Main Stage. And what was the other tournament? That's Oh, yeah, Smash Summit 11. Not the most recent one. The one that was back in July where Mango mm-hmm. beat Zane. But, well, actually, Mango beat Zane and Smash Summit 12 too. Okay, sorry, Zane. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Oof. But the point is, is that 
we all say, how are we supposed to take his online results seriously if he's just like randomly somehow not playing as well? What's going on here? It's a confounding thing. So it is always going to be a thing in Melee where, yes, we want to play our best and want to just trounce on everybody. Then people sort of autopilot as well. And maybe perhaps they're just kind of feeling burnt out. And so feeling burnt out translates into how you play. One of the reasons why I love Melee, by the way, is that you can't just half-ass it. If you're not feeling great, if something's off, your play is off. It is, it's, such a, it's such a brutal thermostat of how you're actually doing in your regular life as well. You can't really... It is so hard, at the very least, it is so hard to play above where you're feeling in terms of your emotions and everything else. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, definitely the worst, like performances i've had in any smash game or when i'm per having a particularly tough time in my life or when just like there's so many other things that are kind of distracting me from even being able to sit down and like think about the game in front of me so it, it's just like that's kind of why i guess obviously i'm not like a guru on melee but if i was to give any recommendation to people who are really trying to grind in melee it's make sure you kind of have something like something outside of the game that can like kind of be your anchor. Um, and I know like it also helps a lot if like, especially cause melee is like oddly a physical game with how much you have to do with your hands. It kind of helps to have like another physical co compartment out of that. Like something I did um, and something I have to admittedly get back into when I was competing a lot, I was making sure to jog a good bit. Cause even having something as simple as that to, kind of like keep your whole body functioning that'll help you function a lot better both mentally and physically during a tournament so when you see ppmd running around in the uh, metagame documentary do you go oh, we are the same <laughs> i don't know if i'm quite the level of ppmd yet i don't think i'm was it like seventh best player in the world or seven best seven best all best time player. Mm -hmm. yeah all yeah. time mm -hmm. yeah i think he was at seven good stuff to ppmd though yeah no we're not gonna we're not gonna say that you're like uh five five uh bracket tournament performances away from turning into ppmd but <laughs> i think that it's cool that you want to have something to sort of also focus on it's it's interesting when you say to somebody the way to get into melee is to go all in and just grind and grind and grind just do that and what i'm hearing from you okay look not everybody says that but that is the tempting thing to say because you think about when you were getting good and I haven't, I'm not good, so I can't speak personally, but I, when I hear a lot of people talk about getting good and when they're talking about that to other people who want to be there, they say, there's a certain amount of time that you just have to put in. You just have to do it. But then there's only 24 hours in a day. So how are you going to have time to do running or this, that, and the third? So it is such I mean, everybody does it slightly differently, but what I like hearing from you is that you knew you needed to have something else that was a physical activity that you could have outside of Melee that didn't necessarily depend on frame-perfect inputs. You could just run. You know, your whole body's involved. You're getting your cardio up. You're sweating. You're able to just also be able to take it like a mental break from the game almost while also saying, if I want to dwell on this game while I'm running, I could do that even if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point, too. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of moments. I, like I mentioned before, like, I'll be talking to my girlfriend, and, like, I think of a melee thing. And I think do, it also kind of helps indirectly, like, when you do other stuff, because then you'll kind of be enjoying yourself. You'll 
like you said, like it's a lot better to go into a bracket happy. It's a lot better to go and like well fed. It's a lot better to go when you're sleeping better. So like when you're doing stuff outside of melee, sometimes you'll indirectly think of like, oh, maybe I could try like doing this in a tournament setting. Like um, a big thing I kind of like was when I was running and listening to music, I was kind of thinking like, oh, I wonder if it would help me if I listen to music while playing. And while weirdly enough, I don't like doing it with melee, when I, when I played ultimate, it like helped a lot. Um, so yeah, it, it's all about kind of like finding your the way you can do a tournament more so than like, oh, well, th this is how, this is how like this person got good. It's kind of finding your way you can get good. And it's kind of finding also the balance between like getting good and just kind of enjoying yourself and make sure you're taking care of yourself. So you don't go into a bracket like hungover or like with three hours of sleep and like you have like seven late assignments you haven't turned in yet especially during <laughs> this seems oddly specific you little talking about re melee references a little bit before we started recording officially we were talking about how fun it is to talk about making melee references what are what's your favorite reference to make if you have a go-to do you have a go-to <laughs> so i guess like my current go-to right now um i'm a huge mango fan i'm a fox i play red fox so i feel like that's <laughs> it's kind of obvious but um i i like just saying like in the league as like melee says and like mm -hmm. i'll tell my girlfriend like yeah i just wrote like a three-page paper like in like two hours and she's like oh that's crazy i'm like yeah hardest hitting writer in the league and just like <laughs> saying like dumb stuff like that and she's like what are you talking about I'm, like you don't don't need to worry about it no worries no worries when i <laughs> when i think about Something that I do better than other podcast producers is probably just how I put out usually two podcast episodes a week. Not always high t quality, top notch stuff, but the consistency is there. So I think of myself as the most consistent podcaster in the league. And I do like making that reference as well. I also just like saying that's the mango. Even when I think this is not going to land, it's not going to hit, I just need to say it because that's <laughs> the mango. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I think that's a good point you made there, though, with consistency, and I think that's kind of, like, even outside of Melee or Smash in general, like, having a consistent schedule is the best way to learn on how to do something and improve on something. Um, we keep, we keep matching up, the, like, the allusions to music. There's kind of, it's kind of impossible to become a musician or become a practice musician without putting in that, like, oh, I'm going to practice, like, 15 minutes a day for this whole week. And even though 15 minutes isn't a lot of time, it adds up over time. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing with learning pretty much anything is you just have to make sure you put enough time into it and put enough consistent and time into it and spread it out enough to where you're properly like taking the time to actually like have it develop within your mind and hand, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. So for you, you were talking a little bit about being a musician in, in, in days past. What's it like? What's that like for you now? Do you have any time to like pick up the sticks? I mean, the, you know, the drumsticks. Um, I actually have not played. Oh, boy, I haven't played drums in a while. And I think that kind of goes into the fact like without being in a musical group, um, like my freshman year of college, I did do orchestra and without having kind of something organized to work towards, I'm a lot less inclined to try and mm. <laughs> yep. to, to put the time into it. Cause then it kind of feels like not exactly that it's not worth or like it all is useless. It just kind of feels like, well, 
compared to like all this other stuff I have to do, like I'm not really building towards anything or I'm not really like trying to prepare for anything, which makes it a lot harder. Yeah, there needs to be a certain amount of you enjoying the activity because otherwise you wouldn't be able to tolerate it at all. But sometimes it's just nice to have something to sort of look ahead to as I want to be at this spot when I get to that event. I don't want to be behind this bar. And if I'm below it, then I'm mad at myself. I get motivated to do more. And I just try to be at that, at least at that spot. And then all of a sudden, hey, I can play drums in certain awesome ways for, I don't know, how many songs do bands play? Or we're talking about the band that is on like the football fields at halftime, right? Um, so orchestra, that's the one like in the concerts where you wear like the tuxedo. But Sorry, um... I, you said band and you also said orchestra. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. I do know. I do know orchestras. I've seen. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely fine. Um, but to give the illusion, or like to talk about the marching band, which is the one at the football field. Side. Okay, marching band. Sorry, my bad. No, nah, no, nah, you're absolutely fine. Um, that's like, was it like four or five songs usually? Um, I know in high school you kind of prepare like a show, and then like for that football season, that's what you do. Um, but I know like a lot of colleges will do, they'll rotate through a lot of different shows, um, which I couldn't imagine like learning cause you have to memorize music and also learn, like, I guess you can call it the choreography of like where to stand on the field. If you've ever like watched a show and they make like the images and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. but, um, tremendous waste of time. Anyway, I'm glad <laughs> that you're not doing super marching band stuff anymore because in college it gets more ridiculous, like you said. Now you're the editor-in-chief over at The Snapper. So talk to me about that. How does one become editor-in-chief? So to kind of give a brief rundown on my history with school paper, we or I came into it freshman year. It was like literally the first week of school because I came into uh, university as a journalism major, which now I'm a marketing major with a minor in journalism, just because marketing is a pretty general thing and you can get uh, you can get a little more variety of careers, if that makes sense for marketing. Yay, marketing. My dad's in marketing, so I get it. Nice, nice. But um, yeah, so I started writing through the school paper and funny enough, my first article for the school paper was a profile about a player who went to the, who went to the same uh, or who went to Mooresville, Daniel Silva, uh, aka Dan the Man. He is an Ultimate player, and he's also a really prominent TO in Central Pennsylvania for Ultimate, and he's been doing pretty good, like in terms of com- competition for Ultimate. But um, he had a compendium to go to. Oh gosh, what was it? It was some like pretty big, ter- uh, Ultimate tournament on like the other side of the United States. And he got, like, funding through a compendium, which is, like, similar to how Summit works, where you purchase stuff. And they have a compendium for Genesis 8 for Aklo and JMOOC to go to the event, to go to Genesis 8. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was the same kind of thing, and he got funded to go. So I wrote, like, a brief piece on that, and we talked a little bit about the Mooresville Smash Club. Um, So, like, it's kind of funny how Smash was kind of my big introduction to writing in the school paper, but then I spent that semester, I eventually became like associate news editor, which for in layman's terms, basically associate is like kind of the vice president of the section, if that makes sense. Sure. Give me. 
Um, so I spent time in news, and then I eventually was the opinion editor all my sophomore year, which was the big year where everyone was home. Um, and it was kind of cool, though, because with all the projects and stuff we were doing, I was still able to write about Smash a good bit. Like, for example, I wrote recap articles in the style of, like, esports articles and, like, ESPN articles, like how they would talk about, like, the big game of that week. I would do yeah. that for, for like, the... Um, the summit league championships and like this every week i would write like here's the big matches that happen and like here's like the winners of those matches and like here's what to look forward to for next week and i think it was cool doing that because it gave me practice on how to kind of it how to kind of formalize my writing around smash where i could kind of treat it almost well i guess you could it's you treat it like esports but you can kind of write about it like a real sport which was awesome to do um, and how to use quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I can go on kind of a side tangent about esports writing real quick. Go ahead. Shout outs. Oh. Okay. Before you do that, shout outs to Oddball and Dylan Tate. Those are two Smash or I should say esports related journalists who I've been able to have on the podcast before. So I appreciate the work that y'all do. Sorry, Sean, go ahead. No, no, you're absolutely fine. I'm glad you could shout them out. But um, one of the weirdest things in writing about Smashers formerly is like you write it's kind of like figuring out what to include in introducing them. Cause like, you'll be like Juan Dibiedma, but then it'll be like Juan quotation marks, hungry box Dibiedma. Mm-hmm. But then, but then there's like some like esports publications that do like Juan liquid hungry box Dibiedma. And then there's like Florida native Juan. And it's just like, it gets into this whole thing. And it's, it's just really funny. Cause there's like no real standard of how to, do stuff like that because esports writing is such a new concept, especially with how formal it's becoming. Where I mentioned before, like ESPN is publishing esports articles. Um, but that's my side tangent about weird grammar stuff with esports writing. Are you going to unify the esports world though, Sean? Are you going to do that for us? <laughs> I would love to. Um, <laughs> but obviously, that'd be pretty difficult. But I do hope that at some point, like, because. Um, for journalism, there's an AP style guide, which is like the rules of grammar for journalism. Um, I hope there eventually does become like a formal guide for how to write within esports and like the grammar rules to follow in that aspect. Florida native hungry bus is unbelievable that they would just be like, uh, I guess we're supposed to include where esports players are from. That's right. That's how people identify. <laughs> no, dude, we identify them based off the tags. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's tough. And- it's tough though. Yeah, no, it it is tough. Um, and it like even mentioning it's like so much different than like writing about like oh the Philadelphia Eagles because you obviously know they're all from or at least live in Philadelphia because that's the team they represent. Um, so like that's like a whole nother thing. But um, Go birds. going back to I'm sorry. Go birds. <laughs> um, but to go back to how I got into editor in chief position. Uh, it was a big transition year from going from COVID to in-person again, which fortunately we have been able to do classes in person and also do the school newspaper in person. And it was kind of like a matter of like, well, who would be willing to run it and who would be willing to do kind of do all like the busy work and paperwork and talking to like all kinds of people. And I was like, well, I imagine it would be, yeah. Um, I imagine Marketing. it would be a pretty network. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was like another thing. Um, I was like, well, I can network from it. I can 
obviously become a better writer from it. I could become a better leader from it. And like all like other little kind of benefits there. Resume builder. Sorry. You were the editor in chief at a school. Okay. Let's go, Sean. I will hire you. High salary, big Boku bucks. <laughs> um, it is funny. You mentioned that though, because like a lot of the past editor in chiefs of this specific university paper have gone on to work for Lexer newspaper and like get internships there and like get like full-time positions there so it is definitely like a great introduction point for like me going on to an actual career once i graduate college what's his name what's his name sorry hold on i had and then i lost it who um who's the bleacher report guy he has a, a very gravelly voice and he loves the eagles uh i honestly john no off the top of my head i apologize that's okay. It's my fault that I don't remember his name. I used to listen to his podcast too. It was him and Brian Westbrook. They would talk about the Eagles a lot on their podcast and then they didn't, they stopped doing it and I got mad. So I stopped listening to the podcast. I can't remember his name. I, I can't get Adam Amin's name out of my head and it's so not Adam Amin. They are, it could not, they could not be more different. So I feel <laughs> bad that I don't remember Bleacher Report's guy's name, but I do remember how he originally started journalism in I want to say Nebraska. It was like a Midwest state, just, you know, your average, ordinary, end-of-the-mill stuff. And as now, one of the more better-known people that are that's out there. He also does NBA Tuesdays or Wednesdays with Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal, and there's another person. I can remember everybody else's name, but the one person's name that I need, need excuse me, I'm really yep. disappointed in myself. I'm just going to look it up while you keep talking. The point is, is that if you intend to have a career in journalism, you firstly have definitely an avenue to get there. That's just to kick butt at every level until somebody from up above says, we want Sean. And that's that's just how it goes. But you're also in marketing. So if you could pick a position in which you could do sort of the things that you're going to school for within the esports field, but it couldn't be Smash. Would you still want to do that if it were Dota or if it were Call of Duty or Halo or League of Legends? Would you still jump at that opportunity? So I kind of fall under the stereotype of like Smasher who doesn't know a whole lot about other esports. Oh, that's <laughs> totally me. I have no idea about these other people. Mm -hmm. Well, the only kind of exception is I... I play a good bit of other fighting games. Um, I have been kind of dabbling in Guilty Gear. Um, Street Fighter was kind of like my big one that I tried learning um, when I was first getting into both fighting games and Smash and like all kinds of competitions. But um, I would definitely take the effort to kind of learn other games. Um, I think the biggest thing for esports specifically as a whole, not even just Smash, I love like Adam kind Lefko. of. Ah. <laughs> At least Dang she'll be able to, yeah. At least she'll be able to sleep tonight. And like, oh well. At least I was able to get the name at some point. At least they're both named Adam. <laughs> I still feel bad about this. I'm sorry. Please continue. You don't know much about other esports. <laughs> no, it's it's absolutely fine. No worries. But um, I think the biggest thing for esports and sports that I love the most is like comparing the mentalities of both. And I grew up with a family who was really into sports. I was never into real sports uh, so much. Um, like, I would kind of watch it in passing with them just to spend time with them, but not really quite understand what was happening. Um, the only exception, I did kind of like f um, basketball. I always f found basketball was like, it's fast and exciting. So that was kind of the exception. Um, 
And I also did play volleyball in high school, so I do have somewhat sports um, sports experience, which is funny. You have but, the um, gene. You still have it. It's just a little buried inside. It's okay. We got to get <laughs> you on the squares. If you have volleyball experience, you can play squares for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, it's kind of cool because I love looking at the mentality of sports and the mentality of competition, like kind of realizing like how do I balance like confidence and how do I balance the ability to kind of adapt to what I'm doing in the moment because obviously sports is very physical and looking at melee again specifically it can be very physical it's mentally draining like hey don't think I've ever played a video game where like after like 30 minutes I get like kind of tired like playing on slippy like physically tired um and I think like making the parallels between the mentality of like sports and esports that's such a like a cool it's, it's such a cool thing to look at and it's just like also another thing to talk about like where you kind of compare like oh this thing in sports like this certain play or like the way people practice is very similar to this thing in esports where like this is how people keep uh this is how people like practice for a tournament coming up and i think like a good example in my mind is I know you messaged me before the podcast about like talking about controllers and everything that's happening with like uh, controllers and everything with uh, natural tour and some of before that, the kind of parallels of like, oh, look at how this like golfer spends like buys like these top of the line like golf clubs and they have to like get things customized in order to properly play the best they can. And then you look at Melee, which is the exact same thing with controllers, like how they have modifications and how they also just like get these specially made controllers just so they can play the way they want to play the best they can. And I think both looking at every kind of little parallel, I could go on like a very long time about it, but like looking at the parallels between those two types of sports is very interesting. And I would love to write about some kind of form of that, even if it wasn't with Smash. So... The good news here is that you are just one of many, hopefully, young people, as they say, who are coming up in the realm of marketing and journalism, who kind of move the needle, and you can see the, the similarities between gaming and sportsing, because for a long time, people wanted to call the two things different. I believe the propaganda is a young child, but come on, you may not be involving your toes as you play melee i mean does wizzy wiggle his toes when he takes off his shoes and plays melee on this oh my gosh well anyway that discovery potential aside the point is, is that maybe perhaps you're not moving the same way as you would in football when you're playing with your hands but look at what's happening in the game and you try doing that you 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 53 year old man who's never played a video game in your life you try doing that Anyway, the future is changing. The future is here, Sean. We're going to have, hopefully, in the semi-near future, people who are not going to lead with the whole, uh, gamer dislocates his shoulder, uh, durr. Do you remember when Cake Assault went viral with uh, Walt's, turned down for Walt's video, and everybody was sort of looking at it on the national national scale and just going like <laughs> gamers <laughs> come on i i've 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 heard you make fun of kickers before who have dislocated something while doing a kickoff okay <laughs> are you gonna put your, wait that's a spin zone gamers are just like nfl kickers now sean we're making it oh my gosh i'm i'm making a lot of discoveries right now this is really good this is good for me so 
I really like the fact that you're doing this kind of stuff, Sean. You're thinking about possibly careering in different ways like this to potentially mix in esports in at some point. And then in terms of controller discourse, do you want to get into this a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a lot of fun and there's a lot of different things you can talk about within what's happened these past two weeks. So yeah, go right These ahead. these people, these people with their goom waves, it's like they're it's like they're expecting some sort of like, I don't know, top of the line, two hundred staff, people who just fix problems right away. This is not Amazon. You did not Amazon Prime this stupid controller to you. There are bugs and they just are gonna have to deal. And then as for the box people who are all like, Yeah, the box is super broken, frame ones, the smash box which is just ban all of them they're awful absolutely awful are also the kind of people who will tell you that fly guys should not be on yoshi's story just like will you stop because i love fly guys i love the fact that they're rectangle controllers i love the fact that we have people who want to innovate and build and dream and dare to step out into the sunlight and you're what sitting there just going like i hate everything i don't want anything to be fun i don't want anything to exist i sort of just want to go backwards in a way i don't know i like pushing stuff around in melee and maybe perhaps i'm not always down with just doing only battlefield tournaments or maybe i'm not always down with saying that we need to have tournaments that do this that or the third or controllers but i think the way that i think about all of this stuff and i'll just say it specifically with the box or rectangle controllers versus regular gcc controllers if the idea is both parties are pushing their controllers as far as they can go, why are we going to put a limit or cap on one of them? You might as well just see where they go. I kind of feel like we're just letting that happen anyway. So why is anybody sit by, why is anybody by saying we need to really think about what precedent we're setting here? Those people are doing nothing about it. They're doing nothing about it, Sean. Yeah. Um, it's kind of been crazy watching this whole discourse go down because like, uh, I feel like you have to have situations like this to make a 20 year old game survive, but like there's... <laughs> <laughs> to modernize. Yeah. This, it's, this is, used to be an analog game and we've had to digitalize, had to modernize. I mean, fizzy making slippy. Thanks fizzy. Really appreciate that. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just kind of crazy. Cause like you have almost, we're completely changing how we even play the game. Not only so much like, Oh, like Fox could do like, you compare like a 2016 Fox to like a 2021 Fox and you're like, oh my God, like, is this even like the same <laughs> game? <laughs> no, dude, totally different. <laughs> can multi-shine pretty easily. I was watching Tacos, shout outs to Tacos, came out for the most recent Race the Bar tournament. I'm looking at his hands while he's playing. Like I was just looking at his hands. He probably felt weird about it after a while, but I'm just like watching him do multi-shines. And I'm just like, you are so cool and insane. How are you doing that? And it's because his controller has bald face buttons, makes it very smooth so that he could just do this instead of like lift up, tap, lift up, tap. He just slides his thumb to the jump and B button to multi-shine. I can't do that. My controller is like, I don't, well, the, my buttons are not right for that. Trust me. I would have so many sores just on like one quarter inch square thingy on my thumb. Not going to do it. Yeah. And I think the fact you mentioned your own controller, that brings up kind of like, honestly, my only concern with the revolutionizing of like these controllers is it makes it so much or it makes it even more harder for the people who are just getting into the game because like let's think about it for a second if you're trying to learn melee like let's just say i was 
Well, I, I was an ultimate kid who did try to learn melee, um, and it's going all right. But let's just say that you're me and Drew, <laughs> me and Drew. Shout out to Drew, the other not great player. Seven one seven. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, let's just say you're trying to learn melee cold turkey. You go to your turn first tournament, and let's say you can even bring a setup because you have a copy of melee from like years ago. Uh, you sit down to play it, and like, <laughs> but um, like the person you play against is like, oh. Uh, I can't play on this. We have to get a new memory card. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? It's like, <laughs> and I can see you're laughing because I think you know where I'm going with this. Is like, they're like, oh, well, you don't have like the latest version of UCF and you learn what that is. And you're like, oh, so that's the basically the only way you can play. And at first, I thought that was like an exaggeration until I tried to play a friendly without UCF. And I was like, oh, I completely get it now. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> But um, then you get over that, and you're like, oh, well, okay. So you find out basically the version you try to practice melee on is completely obsolete. But then you try to learn more about it, and you're like, oh, well, now the the CRT I have, like you try to use a different kind of version that still takes AV cables. Um, it's like not good enough to play on it then. And then you find out like, oh, why do I keep like jumping by accident? And you're like, oh, it's because my controller isn't good enough. And then you ask the question like, but I bought an official controller like years ago and I barely used it. And then like some person will tell you like, oh, well, basically the reason your controller does that is because it doesn't have a snap snapback capacitor. And then you fall down this rabbit hole of like little things of, of why your controller like sucks. And Did you overclock your become... controller, bro? <laughs> and yeah that's another huge thing like and you just have like these little things happen to your controller because not even official gamecube controllers are made the same so it becomes like if you're like oh well okay so i'm gonna learn fox so i have to put in which i don't <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna learn fox oh crap <laughs> yeah and then you're like oh well there's these things called firefox notches where they literally carve it into your controller but then it does it becomes like oh it's not even as simple as doing that if you're if you can do it yourself because you have to go into debug mode and be like oh well this is the planes of how my controller like aligns neutrally and it's why like sometimes you'll do an angle on one controller and it won't be the same on another. Mm. And then you, it just like stuff piles on and on. And then that doesn't even include like literally learning the game. When you try to play a Falco for the first time, it's like, Oh, these lasers just like make sure I can't even move right now. <laughs> um, <This> sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, you're literally just saying like, Oh, this sucks. And then you're like, Oh, I have to be practically frame perfect to run backwards and like it's just like all this stuff piles on and on and like that's kind of like my biggest thing with the revolutionizing of controllers is it just becomes so much harder to figure out like how to even start playing melee beyond the game itself and then you even see like these pros try to learn and how try to play with these controllers and then you have the whole debacle of like oh excuse me my controller wasn't on the right software update and i'm like then, like, as an outsider, you're saying, like, what is this person even talking about? What do you mean, dude? <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's just a huge... Controllers are weird and a huge mess, and hopefully the Panda controller coming up next year will hopefully solve this problem a little bit. Yes, insert the Panda controller. One that uh, addresses everything that you brought up so far, all that and more. It has 
the gate which holds the control stick from going too far obviously this is what people talk about when they talk about putting notches onto their controller the gate is what they're talking about it's a gate that is literally detachable so you don't have to take apart the entire controller you could just put on the gate of what you want you can plug it into a computer and tell it to do exactly what it is because there's some sort of pre-built software that you could just say i want it to snap back this much or this little i want it to do this much or this little i want my buttons for the triggers to require this much effort to press or more effort to press i want to switch a and z back and forth i want to do basically anything that you can think of in terms of the stereotypical melee player where they say, I want this, 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 and this. The Panda controller is pretty much addressed to everything. The good news is Panda is a company that did not just pop up out of the blue with this Kickstarter. They've been around for a very long time and have sponsored players like Plup and IBDW and Zane in the past in melee. So kudos to, to everybody on that team to put melee into players, to put melee into, into ultimate put, put money in the ultimate players as well, but mostly melee. And so now we have other little things that they've done. Panda now offering this controller in terms of a Kickstarter, and then we'll start to sell it hopefully by the end of next year. I say it will solve 95% of all the problems on a consistent basis. There will be 5% left where there'll be little kinks and snatches and little things here and there where the players that really care will be annoyed with but then they'll give that to a modder and say just fix those few things and then i'm all set as compared to now where it's like i need this 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 i need so many things to make this crappy controller into a masterpiece of what i want and the modder says that'll be 500 dollars, and they say okay great because i want to play melee well i want to press them buttons good i guess if i win the next five or so majors i'll get 500 dollars back <laughs> and that's yeah. melee, baby so yes, yeah. there's, a certain, there's a certain amount of there's a certain amount of doubt that people might have about the Panda controller specifically. Oh, ninety dollars is a lot of money. This, that, and the third. But a good controller nowadays is north of two hundred dollars easily. If you want a really good controller, it's north of five hundred dollars. So, ninety dollars to basically get you in the door something that will start to become very common. It's not being built from old controllers. Everything is made from scratch. I think, I hope, that will solve 95% of the problems. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Yeah, and I think that's also a good point, though. I'm kind of curious in, like, in terms of when... I think it's it's one of their goals eventually, once they get enough funding, to kind of produce it en masse and produce it consistently beyond just the people who pledged to it on Patreon, I believe it was, they used. No, Kickstarter. It was a Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um... But besides, like, the, the people who fund it through there, I'm interested to kind of see if there's, like, going to be a casual market for it of people who are, like, well, that all that stuff seems kind of cool, and it would be kind of nice to have, like, a really good controller for, like, just emulating different games um, on my computer, which that's kind of one cool thing about emulation is you can kind of use, like, pretty much any controller you want, and it you, you can play any kind of different game you want to want with uh that kind of controller but um no i'm gonna i'm interested to see if there's gonna be like a good amount of people who get through get to melee as silly as it sounds through the controller 
um, because they're like, oh, well, I can already do all this stuff. I don't have to buy like a crazy controller I found on like Etsy or any, or some dude on Twitter. Um, so that'll be interesting to see uh, next year when the controller actually does come out officially. So right now they have $1,750,000 pledged and 13,500 backers. I would venture to say that a fair amount of those are melee players, a few ultimate players, but I have to imagine that there's a handful of people in there who don't really play melee or ultimate that much, but maybe perhaps play another GameCube game or another Wii U or Nintendo Switch game or even other other games on like Steam or whatever who are saying, I want to have a controller that's a little bit easier to replace, that's a little bit easier to sort of fiddle around with, that's a little bit easier to do this, that, and the third. This would be the first controller, to my knowledge, except for perhaps, you know, um, the, the, the rectangle controllers that are more consistently made where they have a lot of interchangeable parts and have a lot of customization. This would be the first stick controller, that the normal stuff that you see when you compare to Xbox, PlayStation, and, well, not the Switch, <laughs> but with GameCube controllers, where it's, it's a traditional style controller, and there's a lot of customization on it. That's what I'm interested in seeing. We were alluding to that a little bit. I think that there, I think I would venture to say that there's a handful, at least, of these people who just said, I don't really care about playing Melee or Ultimate with this controller. I just want to use it for myself for other things. I think it'll be cool for this, that, and the third. I mean, the D-pad being a real D-pad for the Panda controller, that is such that is such an inconsequential thing for Melee, but that's going to appeal to somebody else who will just mm-hmm. buy it. And then they'll say, yay, I have a control stick and a functional D-pad. Woohoo! Yeah, that's a good point. I think like from just watching the presentation videos, obviously there'll be a lot of stuff that goes over like someone who's a little more casual, like it'll go over like their heads, such as like snapback capacitating and like the force that's required for triggers. But at the same time, I do like that they thought of kind of like general quality of life changes for the controller that will appeal to more casual people because um, obviously GameCube is pretty popular. But then again, like you even have like games that are like competitive on game on GameCube, but not directly one to one. Like a big example I could think of off the top of my head is like Monkey Ball with speed running. Like you have to. Ha- well, have you ever watched like a Super Monkey Ball speed run in like any capacity? I've only seen Fizzy do it on Twitch, so I don't know how much that counts. But like, it's kind of ridiculous the amount of like things they do for a monkey a monkey ball speed run, and that's a very like precise controlling game. But then you, again, we have the problem with GameCube chores, as we mentioned before, is like they're not consistently made, they're not precisely made to be able to handle games like that. Yep, and the good ones sell very high price. So yeah, yes. To wrap up the discussion, yes, rectangle controllers good, regular controllers good. Are we good? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I'm glad I'm... I set the record straight. You people, <laughs> not you, Sean, but the rest of you, you guys need to settle down a little bit. All right. I need to settle down, too. Last question I have for you, last topic. We could spend a little bit less time on this than we did the controllers. What does it mean going into the new year when we start talking about rankings? This is such a journalism question, I know. <laughs> this is something that the journalism people make a living on when they talk about rankings. We had all-time rankings. That was fun. That was a nice little thing for 2021 because we weren't going to have 2021 ranks of top 100 for, for Melee players. 
or for ultimate players, but for Melee for 2022, what is going to be a storyline that you look forward to as it pertains to fighting for number one or fighting for number one in this area of 717, Sean? <laughs> um, I guess in terms of my competition, uh, for I'm going to try to practice a lot over winter break. And when they start up, uh, raise the bar back in January, or in January, I should say, um, I'm just going to go. I'm going to try new things, try to learn every time I play, try to hopefully get the nerves down a little bit from being gone so far. So uh, gone so long on a national level. Uh, I guess the big storyline, I'm not so much why well, I am very interested on in who's going to be ranked the, the best between like Mango, IBDW, Zane, maybe even HBox and Wizzy and Plup and the list goes on and on to see who can reach that top 10 and what top 10 looks like. I'm also very interested in like, we haven't had an official ranking in so long. Like people like Aklo, like JFlex, who I know you have, you had on the podcast, I believe, right? Yes, indeed. Yeah. So like people like him and like, magi who came up so so much during the pandemic uh ginger is another example and they haven't had a chance in an official ranking to kind of prove like i am like cracked at this game um so that's kind of the biggest thing i'm looking forward to is finding these new slippy kids finding these new like kids who basically became like top 20 players but don't have a ranking in the show for it and i think it's just going to be a crazier melee and i'm looking forward to spending my sundays watching it like as someone would watch like a football game <laughs> yeah your family who you love and you spend time with by watching football together and this hey family come over to the place let's watch some let's watch some melee they're like what it's awesome. Trust me, you will have plenty of time to get popcorn because guess what? Floating matchups are a thing. By the way, I love floating matchups. I'm not hating. I'm just saying the casuals, the plebs, they see two floaty characters and they go, oh, it's a lot slower now, isn't it? And you say, you don't understand. There's so many cool things happening right now and I won't explain them all to you because it's all happening so fast. And they're like, but it's two peaches on the screen. You don't understand. So yes, plenty of time to get snacks. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to 2022 Melee, and I'm looking forward to seeing you back at the locals on a more semi-consistent basis. I will not, I'm not the first person to be so consistent going myself. Some Saturdays, I can't make it. But I've been able to go to uh, the past few in a row. I had a little bit of a streak going before we have to take a break here for Christmas and New Year, and also... Yeah, also kind of like a little, just a precautionary thing around the, the new Omicron or however you pronounce it variant. So here's hoping that in January things will be, well, better as we always hope for optimistically around Melee and around our lives. So to finish us up here, to roll out the red carpet for you, as Sean Evans would say, please, Sean, as in not Sean Evans, but you, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, please tell the people where they can find you. So you can find me on Twitter at Sean Lucas MU, um, M as in Millersville University, um, the abbreviation. Uh, that's kind of like my biggest social media. You can find me uh, writing, I guess, at the snapper.com, uh, also the snapper.com.edu. Uh, both things work just fine. Um, oh, they have .com and .edu? Yeah, it's kind of weird because like both take you to the same website. Um, if that makes sense, because it's like we just one have redirects one... you to the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can check out our writing there. I'm excited to do more writings uh, beyond just Smash uh, next semester, and those are my two big ones. And 
Yeah. All right, Sean. Thank you so much for joining me on Bottom of Smash Mountain. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun.